Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and now tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Welcome this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Backing down a lefty hook, breaks it in! With your host, Elliot Anderson, stopped it down behind his head. Seku Smith, the tipping is good at the buzzer. And Vince Thomas. Slices across the lane, puts up a hook on the right. No, but a dynamite stick back slam. Now it's time for the tip-up. Special edition of the Hang Time Podcast. Seku Smith from the Hang Time blog at NBA.com. Vincent H. Thomas, the H stands for... Horatio uh, is joining us here today. It absolutely does not. Can I just for can I can, pl- listeners? My middle name is Charles Asaya. It's Vincent C A. Tom. I'm just letting say roll. But with for this the H. purposes of our podcast, this is ridiculous. Clint and I have decided we're rolling with H. Okay. Just like our guest today on this special edition, Scott Howard Cooper Scott H. of H. NBA.com, the draft guru himself, uh, the writer extraordinaire, is joining us via Skype from his headquarters in uh, beautiful. Suburban Sacramento. Scott Cooper, how are you, my friend? A name so strange, I don't need to make one up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Scott, we, we've been locked in on the playoffs for, you know, it seems like six months. And now all of a sudden we make a U-turn and say, oh, yeah, don't forget about the draft. Is it as thin a draft as we've been led to believe before we dive in real quick here to uh, the hang time mock draft 2010? Is it is it as thin after John Wall and maybe Evan Turner as we've been led to believe? I don't think it's thin as much as uh, there's a lot of question marks. There's certainly a lot of players there, but I think this year, maybe more than any year in a long time, we're going to be hearing the word patience. There's a lot to be known about how will DeMarcus Cousins turn out, Uh, Aminu, how will he turn out, Greg Monroe. There's a lot of guys here that could turn out to be special players, but it's not just that they're young, it's that their game still has a long way to go. I think it has a possibility to be a deep draft. Hmm. Well, without further ado, Vince, Scott, let's get into the – we're going to pick the first 14 picks of the draft. Um, you know, I know we're not picking, you know, for real, so to speak, but, you know, we don't have to worry about looking back in two or three years and saying, man, you blew it, you drafted Darko. Um, <laughs> so, Scott, you'll go first. I think they realize that this is not real. <laughs> Scott, well, you never know. Okay. Scott, you'll go first. I'll go second. And uh, Horatio here go third. We're gonna oh, we're gonna do the first fourteen picks. Scott Cooper, you are on the clock with the Washington Wizards. Well, I'll take my full five minutes, and uh, no, I won't. <laughs> Obviously, this is the easy choice. This has been the easy choice pretty much the entire season. There was a while there that we thought that Evan Turner might come into the conversation for number one, depending on who got the pick. If there was a team like uh, Utah. New Orleans, somebody that had a, was set at point guard, Evan Turner was a very good possibility. But once it turned out to be the Washington Wizards at number one, 
John Wall was the obvious pick and the smart pick. Right. Okay, so you're saying smart smart pick because I, th- th- this is our mock draft for who we would take, not so much who we think that the team is actually going to take. You, if you were the GM, you would take John Wall. Why? I I would absolutely take him. I think that uh, not only is he a point guard, which is you have to go by position. Mm-hmm. Uh, the point guard and center are the toughest ones to get. But this is a guy with star quality that has the potential to turn into an all-star. Uh, he's dynamic. He can do so many things. Uh, here's an important aspect that I think you have to be considering if you're the Washington Wizards. This guy will turn the tide back towards excitement with the Wizards after what was obviously a very, very difficult year. He will bring people into the seats. The people who don't come will be watching on TV. I think this is the right pick for the reasons as a player and also what he's going to what he's going to do for you credibility-wise interest wise off the court. You, you think he can coexist with uh, with, with Gill? It is solid. But do you think he can coexist with Gill, Scott? Well, uh, that's obviously the big question. It's something I'm going to be writing about uh, in a few days as we head into the draft. I think that they have some big questions to answer. But if you ask me, John Wall is going to be their priority. If he cannot coexist, they're going to start trying again to move Gilbert. The big problem is both those guys need the ball in their hands to be effective. So I'm not sure how it's going to work out. But I think that because Gill is such a good scorer, that if you get him the ball in the right in the right places, he'll still have a very positive impact for you. John Wall is a natural point guard; he can get the ball to guys in the right places. That's good. That's good stuff. Listen, I'm I'm going to throw a monkey wrench in the entire process right off the bat at number two. Um, I don't need my five minutes. I need five seconds. I'm I don't want Evan Turner, um, mm-hmm. and it has everything to do with the fact that he's an Ohio State guy. <laughs> and, and and I'm a Michigan guy, as you well know. So I'm oh not. Oh my goodness! My ethos. Man, be serious. Will not allow. No, I'm serious. But I also have a basketball reason for why I'm taking Derek Favors with the number two pick. Mm. And 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 hear me out. In a draft that's p- power forward heavy, if the if the marquee position in this draft is at the four, mm-hmm. I want the best four in the draft with the number two pick. I don't want Evan Turner, who's a solid two guard. But where do I play him in Philadelphia? If I already have Andre Iguodala, move out. Move, I, I want move Derek. To the three. Listen, I want Derek Favors. I Philadelphia just traded Samuel Dallenberry, so mm-hmm. I'm 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 revamping my front line. Obviously, I want to go with a young, you know, super talented, six ten power forward who has the potential to be someone along the lines of maybe an Antonio McDyess in early in his career, an All Star mm-hmm. power forward. Mm-hmm. I think I go Derek Favors instead of Eric, uh, Evan Turner at number two. Nice. Do you have any, do you have any hope moving forward of Elton Brand being a contributor on this team, or once you take Derek Favors, are you basically banishing Elton to a reserve role? I don't I don't just banish Elton Brand to a reserve role. I absolutely make it a proclamation. Um, <laughs> I need to. I mean, because I overpaid for him, you know, and he's been hurt ever since. He's not the same place. A shell of the player he was before the injury. I need to start fresh if I'm Philly. I need to go young. I mean, I know I got an old coach in Doug Collins. We love him. But I need to go fresh on that roster. I need some some new blood, you know, mixed in with these guys. And I need somebody that's going to come in and give us some athleticism, a jolt in that front court, especially losing Dallenberry. Mm, okay. I, I like that. I see. I, I, I kind of see Doug going for his going for a new age Grand Hill with that pick. But I like I like where you're going with that. I, I, then I guess if, if Evan Turner is going to fall to number three, I, I you know, I'm not a – I'm not a huge CDR fan. 
Okay, and I like that Evan Turner is a is a playmaker, and I think that he would allow um, Devin Harris to play off the ball uh, more than usual, uh, more more than more than if they have CDR out there for, mm-hmm. for most of the time. And, and I like that because I don't necessarily think that Devin Harris is the truest of true point guards or the the best offensive orchestrator um, in in the league. Um, I was I was gonna pick Derek Favors because I thought between him and Cousins, Fav- Favors. Favors, uh, <laughs> Avery Johnson's, you know, style right. of play more. Um, but, you know, I think I, I, there, there's no plausible reason to pass up Evan Turner if he's going to fall to number three. I think uh, the Nets go ahead and, and take Evan. Or right. I, as the Nets go, we take Turner. All right. Fourth pick, Scott Howard Cooper. Well, this is the tipping point of the draft, or at least the first one. I think most people would have agreed that obviously John Wall goes number one, and then we have Favors and Evan Turner going two, three in some order. Mm -hmm. And once you get to number four, this is where the tough choices really begin. Because if you're the Timberwolves, the one thing you know is that you don't need a point guard, but that's okay because the one one big-time point guard is off the board at number one. Right. At this point, you're thinking, do I go big or do I go wing? And you have somebody like... Wesley Johnson, who obviously fits in very well into your backcourt. You put him at, at uh, shooting guard, small forward. Um, he's, he's a wing player that can definitely make a difference. But I think that they've been staring at this Al Jefferson, Kevin Love dilemma for a little while and knowing that they need to shake it up a little bit. DeMarcus Cousins is a big risk, and that's why I'm real hesitant to pick him if I'm Minnesota, but he's got a ton of talent. The risk is that you don't know what he's going to give you. Is he going to give you all-star games or is he going to give you heartache? Because this is a guy that didn't even show up to the pre-draft camp in good shape. This is a guy that was not in good shape in his one season at Kentucky. There are serious questions about his motivation and his motor. And you hate to see that with a guy coming into the pros because if nothing else, you want to know that he's going to be showing up. But this is a guy that I think has too much talent to let him go much farther I'm picking DeMarcus Cousins at number four and, and for then, the Timberwolves. And then you do Killing what? Me. Then you do what with uh, with Kevin Love and 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 L Scott? Well, I think you you go with Al Jefferson at center. I think that Kevin Love is one of the most underrated players in the game. You can get something in trade for him if you choose, or you keep him, and you're going to keep playing him. You know, DeMarcus Cousins is a young guy. He's just off a freshman year in college. He's not going to give you that dramatic impact right away. There's no question he's a guy that's going to need some kick in the butt. I think Kevin Love is a guy that you want him practicing against. Kevin Love practicing against DeMarcus Cousins makes Cousins a better player. You let these guys sort themselves out, and then you do some deals at some point. But right now, you're taking the best guy that's available. That's DeMarcus Cousins. Okay. You just blew my draft board up, Scott. Thank you. <laughs> well, well, that, was, that, I'm was, on that the, was my plan coming in. I be, I know. I, well, you and Vince, one of you was trying you to do. You blew my draft thing up with the Derek <laughs> Favors, man. My bad. So, my bad. Okay. All right. I'm on the clock at number five, um, Sacramento Kings. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins off the board. Basically, I have my pick of the litter in terms of the rest of this group. Um, but I, you know what? I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna scramble it up one more time. Uh, I know Greg Monroe and Wesley Johnson have been discussed, but say come on, man, don't if, if you mess up my pick two times in a row, I'm walking out the I'm walking out the room, man. <laughs> Listen, I like Al Farouk Aminu. Okay, for Sacramento, I like I like his skill set 
as an all-around, you know, versatile wing forward. They lost Kevin Martin. And, Scott, you, you know this better than anybody. I don't know that they really found anybody to take that role over on that team for Kevin Martin, you know, a guy who can play off the ball and score in bunches like that. I think I think Aminu can do that at 6'9", you know, still young, just a so- after sophomore year at Wake Forest, a guy who's super talented. He's versatile, too. Coming out of high school. He was, you know, people. There was chatter. He would have been a a lottery pick, a top ten pick last year. Yeah, had he come out. Mm-hmm. So I like Aminu at five to Sacramento. I like how versatile he is. He, he's, I love him. He's somebody that I had my eye on um, playing off the ball in a, in a nice up tempo pace with we Golden State. So I like that. Pick. I like him and Tyreek Evans to get. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, that's that's a dynamic young combination, Scott. And Scott, you you, you know, you're out there. You see the Kings as much as anybody. I mean. Is is that what they need? Because to me, that's what they need. Well, I, th- I think that's a great pick for them because he is versatile. He does a lot of things. He's he's big, but he's a guy that can handle the ball. He can get you into your offense. He passes the ball very well, and that's yeah. what they like. But the other big thing is he's very good defensively, and this is a team that really needs to make gains in that area. They just acquired a shot blocker, Samuel D'Alembert. They understand that they need to get better at defending the basket. Uh they obviously will do that with D'Alembert. I think that uh, Aminu is a terrific pick right there. I think it makes a lot of sense in a lot of different ways. Sekou just just uh, pumped his fist, so your <laughs> your cosign of his pick made him feel really guru. good. Scott. That's NBA.com's draft guru. He says his, it's good. I'm feeling good. You made his thing. Vince, you're on the clock. Um, I, I have two players in this draft that I actually like. I, I like, I like their games. That's Evan Turner and Greg Monroe. If I can take Greg Monroe uh, at six, then I'm going to take him. You know, it would have been a – there. Would, I would have had some – I would have had a decision to make if Amino was still on the board. But since you already snatched him up, for me it's a, it's a no-brainer. Um, I, you know, I'm sure people can make a case for, for Wesley Johnson here, um, you, especially if they want to do something with uh, Monte Ellis. I think Wesley Johnson would allow them to do that because then he could fill in that, uh, that, that wing spot. But I like, I like um, Greg. Mon- I just like Greg Mon- Monroe's game. I think it's very versatile. He's very skilled, talented. Um, has great court vision, great court sense. I would like for him to rebound a little bit better, um, but you know that'll come. Uh, his offensive game is really varied, and I think that you need that in Nelly's freewheeling Golden State offense. And I think that he would do really well there. Are you are you nervous at all that they have drafted? Brandon Wright, you know. He's not good, though. Anthony Randolph, like guys in that same mold who are young, versatile, athletic, you know, power forward types that have not been able to adapt to Nelly's system. Well, see, Aminu reminds me more of Anthony Randolph. To me, they're two very similar players. I I think Greg Monroe, Greg Monroe, to me, and it's not just because they come from the same school, he's more of a Jeff Green type. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think he can play either um, forward position. Does it? Does it? You know, am I a little concerned that he might not pan out? Yeah. No, not that he might not oh. pan out, but just that Nelly has drafted similar type, or you know, the, mm-hmm. the Warriors have drafted similar type players under Nelly, thinking, okay, this is the guy who's a young, mm-hmm. athletic power forward who can do a lot of things that we that'll fit our system, and then it doesn't work. I think I think the difference between um, Monroe and Wright is his IQ. Wright mm-hmm. is much more talented, not excuse me, athletic than Greg Monroe is, but Greg Monroe has such a, to me, he has such a great basketball IQ. He's so smart. I think that he works well with Stephen Curry. So, I, you know, if, if anybody that's left, 
you know, if it, if if anybody would would mesh with that team well, I would think that's that it would be Greg Monroe. And I'm kind of doing the best available talent because mm-hmm. I'm not that high on Wesley Johnson as right. a talent. You know, you like you like the pick, Scott. I do. I, I think in the regard that if you want somebody that's going to pass the ball, you're going to have a hard time finding somebody that does it better, especially among big men. This is this is a definite plus area. And if you have a team that has two guys that you know can score, Steph Curry and Monte Ellis, you want somebody that's going to get them the ball. It does not address the ongoing need in Golden State, which is somebody that's going to play inside and is going to hit the boards. Uh, it's interesting because they have two guys that people are sort of waiting on Anthony Randolph and Brandon Wright, not so much from the rebounding aspect, but these are guys that can give you a lot of length. Uh, Monroe fit is sort of similar in that regard. He's not going to be a physical player by any means, but he is a smart guy. He makes the right pass. I think he's, he's going to work out well. Is there, is there anyone Scott that, that is left on the board that feels that need, but that can also play at that tempo. I mean, you could talk about somebody like Cole Aldrick, but I mean, he—I I don't know how how great he would be, you know, in that in that Golden State kind of up and down tempo. You see anybody that was left that maybe you would have drafted to to fill that need? No, not especially. I mean, I think maybe Wesley Johnson, who's still on the board, uh, is somebody that fits in in that regard. He's a he's a he's a wing, and they've got what about fifty thousand of those, so that doesn't that doesn't fit that need, but. No, as far as the banger that can play fast, no, there's just not that many options. Well, before I move on, I mean, if if Golden State is high on Wesley Johnson and they are serious about trying to move uh, Ellis, I do think that that might be a smart pick. I just don't know how much they want to move Ellis at this point or even how feasible it is, and I don't know how high they are on Johnson. But if that if that is, you know, if at the end of the summer they they want to look up and and have shipped Ellis off to another team, then you might draft a Johnson. If not, I'm going with Moreau. All right. Scott, you are next. Peace. If if I'm the Detroit Pistons picking at number 7 and I see that Wesley Johnson is still on the board, I'm pretty happy. Yeah. I, I don't think many people had him going down to number seven not that he was a number one or a number two pick but I think this was a guy that most people saw as a top five player mm-hmm. at worst you know certainly even uh, four was very realistic and I think still is it would not be a shock if Minnesota picked him this is a guy that that fits in in so many different ways because he can score uh, because he can rebound from the wing position uh, he's athletic I think he's a lot of what the Pistons would love to have going forward. Uh, Backcourt is not their biggest problem because they have Rodney Stuckey. They just made a big investment in Ben Gordon. But if you're looking and and you say, well, Rip Hamilton is getting up there a little bit. Tayshaun Prince has been around for a while. And if you're looking for a fresh start, I take Wesley Johnson if I'm the Pistons. I I like that pick. And I I don't like their roster. I didn't pass over Wesley Johnson for any specific reason the two times previously. I just like the other guys better, but I think he's a good fit on a team like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Detroit has obviously a lot of other work to do uh, to iron out their issues with that roster, but I, I think any infusion of, you know, athletic, you know, uh, offensive-minded talent like that is a good mix with what they already have mm-hmm. uh, in terms of young players on their roster. Um, I'm up the Clippers at number eight. I've seen a lot of mock drafts, and certainly the NBA.com's consensus mock draft 
has the Clippers taking Ed Davis, which to me is just hilarious because I don't know where you would have a need for yet another power forward type with you know with Blake Griffin already there. I mean, I don't I don't think mm-hmm. you want an eighth pick to come off your bench because mm-hmm. um, you got Jordan coming off the bench. Exactly. Well, you know? so I mean, I I think the the call there is for a small forward, um, mm-hmm. a guy who can come in and play. That spot because you you last year you went with Rasul Butler or challenge Thornton in an assortment mm-hmm. of different guys Al Thornton when he was mm-hmm. you know in shape and, and playing well mm-hmm. I'm I'm going Gordon Hayward to the Clippers at number eight mm-hmm. I like I like his versatility and I like the fact that he's an offensive minded player who could probably come in and really fit in with that up tempo approach if Baron Davis is going to run that team the way I hope he does and uh, depending on you know obviously the Clippers have a lot of issues that they still have to resolve need to, you know got to mm-hmm. find a, a permanent head coach and these sorts of things but I like I like Gordon Hayward's skill set with the group they already have and I like him as an upgrade at small forward over what's already on the roster so I'm going with Hayward at number eight and Seku, the interesting thing is obviously the Clippers are going to be making a lot of noise starting on July 1st they have the ability to offer a max contract they have the opening at small forward right now. So right. I think hey, I think Hayward is a good fit. They like him a lot. He's a guy that doesn't do any one thing, uh, that doesn't have one thing that really jumps out at you, but does a lot of things well, more athletic than people think. He's tougher than people think. Uh, he passes the ball. He does a, he does a lot of things very well. This guy's going to be a winner, and he's going to have a successful career. What we don't know yet is whether it will be starting if the right. Clippers take him or if the Clippers are going to spend their money. Obviously, they're going to make a, a run at LeBron James, but somebody like Rudy Gay uh, mm-hmm. also fits in very well. Right. Are you yeah. guys worried about a flashy guy like Hayward being blinded by the uh, L.A. lifestyle? <laughs> <laughs> Having lived in, in Indianapolis in my lifetime and knowing where Brownsburg, Indiana is, the flashy lifestyle is the last thing that you have to worry about with Gordon Hayward. Um, I, you know, and I think I think that would break the hearts of Pacers fans and, and certainly Pacers front office people if Gordon Hayward is off the board before 10. And I don't want to jump the gun at all, but I I've, I talked to somebody today that said the Pacers are having him in for a workout, obviously. They love him and think yeah. he would sell tickets there, you know, kind of that hometown boy thing. But he's I only, think he's he, a good fit in a – on a team like that, and I, I think that LA thing will be overrated for a guy like him. He's only going to be selling. He's only going to sell tickets for Indiana if he's on the the floor and playing well, and and they're playing well, you right? Know? Um, and I, I'm, you know, it, it, with all due respect um, to to Scott, I'm not sure that he's going to have you know a, a really good career. That's just that's You're not just a big my, fan of Gordon my own hunch. Um, I was a big fan of his in the college in the on the college level. I I don't know how it's going to translate. On the uh, on the NBA level, but here's uh, why the Clippers situation might actually end up being um, beneficial for him is because I don't think the Clippers are a lottery team. Uh, if they're all healthy, right. that that's a re- that's a good team. Right. It's a really good team. Possibly, you know, I I would think that they could make the playoffs, and they're they're not going to need him to come in and pr- produce a lot, you know, uh, initially. Right. So he he'll have time to develop and give him some time to develop because I think he came out this year to. You know what is it like? Just capitalize on a lot of the momentum that that he had this year and, and in the tournament. I, I think that he's that. gonna. I yeah. think no, nothing, nothing wrong with it at all. I just yeah. think he's gonna need some time to develop, and he'll probably be able to do it with the Clippers. So you know, yeah. we'll see. Is it on and me? Here's the, inter- and oh, here's no, the interesting. Ahead, I was gonna say here's the interesting thing about whoever comes into the Clippers at number eight, and Hayward is certainly a possibility. 
not only will they not need him to be great right away because there's several veterans on that team, he's going to be about the fourth most watched newcomer on the team <laughs> yeah. coming into training camp. And right. that's a strange thing to say because of a lottery pick. But if you want to say that, that Blake Griffin is a newcomer, and I think you can because opening night will be his NBA debut. Sure. You're going to have Blake Griffin, the number one pick from a year ago. You're going to have at least one prominent free agent. And even if they don't spend it all on one guy, they break it up into two pieces and they get two important free agents. And there's going to be a new coach. Yeah. It, it, it can actually be a pretty good situation for a guy to step in in this situation and not have to worry about the pressure. You know, we joke, obviously, about the bright lights of Los Angeles and, and Gordon with all his bling and, and his peeps and his <laughs> posse and, and how's that going to work out. But in all seriousness, this is an opportunity for a guy to come in with zero pressure, for, which is very yeah. unusual. Which mm-hmm. is very unusual to say for a lottery pick. I just like the I just like it when you say peeps and posse. <laughs> that's worth that's worth the uh, price of admission right there. Vince, ah, number nine. And listen, this yo, is a strange, very strange. I mean, the look look who we're talking about picking at nine. Yeah, they 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 pick in the lottery once every what twenty five years. Yeah, um, shout out you to sh- shout out to O'Connor for 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 hooking that up. Um, you know Utah Jazz. They're already a team. If they did nothing other than well, and obviously re-signing Carlos Boozer isn't nothing, but you know they're they're a playoff team, possibly even a contender. So they have some leeway with this pick. Now, if I were if I were picking just for just who I think is the best player to come in and make an impact with that team, I would pick uh, Anderson from Oak State. I like his I, I like his game, and for the first half of the college season. He was scout, you know. He was touted as like a, a, a top ten pick, um, and apparently he's he's dropped almost precipitously at this point. And I don't know how much sense it would make to take somebody, you know, that most people view as a late round first pick at number eight. So maybe what I would do is pick, you know, a, a, someone that I think a lot of other teams might want, and then and then try to trade. So I'm just going to mm-hmm. go with the best available kind of guy or the most coveted at this point. Right. And I'll just go ahead and, and select Ed Davis. Ed Davis. Mm-hmm. Not not because I think he not 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 even with the with the outlook of him necessarily even suiting up for us when the season when the season starts. Like I said, if that was the case, I'm taking James Anderson over the Babbitt kid from the Nevada right. and over Xavier Hen, uh, Henry. I, I like Anderson, but I'm taking Ed Davis as the best available prospect, and then try and then you know put him up for grabs. Who wants him, Scott? Knowing how rare the Jazz pick in the lottery, can they afford to to take a pick that they basically stole, you know, in that <laughs> deal with with the Knicks and not use it on a player that they think is a future building block and a potential, you know, uh, you know, foundation player alongside Darren Williams? That's obviously what they're doing. They're able to project into the future more than any other team picking here. Because if they keep this team together, and I do think that there is a chance that Carlos Boozer stays in Utah, despite conventional wisdom, everybody assumes he's gone. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's such a safe assumption. The Jazz are able to take a guy and say, it'd be great if you gave us something this year, but if not, that's okay. You know what? We could even say that for two years. We've got somebody at this pick that we think is really going to turn into an outstanding player 
in his third season, and that's perfectly okay because the Jazz have so many pieces in place. Obviously, they want somebody that can contribute right now, which is why I'm sure that they're having a lot of conversations about a trade, that mm-hmm. they know that they have a chance to do something special right now, so you move this pick for an established veteran. But if they end up keeping the pick, uh, they're definitely projecting down the line. And, and Vince, Ed Davis is a mystery player to me. Like I don't like him. Oh, no, I, I, I think he's I, – I love his ta- – you know, just just potential and his ceiling and all that. But I didn't see enough of him even as a freshman to make me comfortable about drafting him in the top ten right now. Yeah, and I, it, excuse me, and I don't mean I don't like you. That was like I came <laughs> that came out wrong. What I meant to say, my man, is that I'm not necessarily a huge fan of your game. Um, especially, AKA, I don't like. No, you. no, I'm sure he's I'm sure he's a cool dude, um, and I look forward <laughs> to meeting him next season. <laughs> And I'm and that's that's on that's on the real. But what I I don't necess, I don't know why everybody is is so high on the guy. Um, I guess being you know projected top ten doesn't mean that they think you're going to be a superstar. Because once you start getting down into eight, nine, ten, eleven, we, you want like a starter. It's all a roll of the dice. You want you, you want to start outside of those like, sure things. You're at not the looking. Very top. For, yeah. Can he be a productive starter throughout his career? Yes. Are there some other players in the in the draft that I I like their games better than Ed Davis? Yeah. All right, all right, Scott. Yeah, you you have the uh, the luxury of picking for Larry Bird at uh, number ten here for the Indiana Pacers. Well, you're going to backstop me on this one because you know them very very well. Obviously, the two I'm looking at two guys right now, and Luke Babbitt is a player that I like a lot. The problem is a lot of his time would be spent at small forward, and if I've got Danny Granger on my team, do yeah. I want anybody else? on the court at small forward. Right. No. Uh, you know, the good thing about Babbitt is he can play a little bit of power forward. But the guy I'm going to go with because of Danny Granger's presence is somebody that a, a year ago nobody was talking about at all and now has turned into a lottery pick. That is Ekpe Udo mm. okay. from Baylor, who's got some nice size. Very, uh, He's got a long wingspan. He can block some shots. Uh, he just gives you that inside presence, and I think that that's something that the Pacers need. Again, Seku, you know them better. You tell me if I'm wrong, but doesn't that fit their need better than uh, even as skilled as Luke Babbitt is? He's not the dramatic need for that team right now, is he, if you've got Danny Granger? No, I I, I think you're right. I think the dramatic need for them right now, and I, and I spoke with Mike Wells, uh, the beat writer f- uh, for the Pacers of the Indianapolis Star this morning, kind of quizzing him about what are they going to do in the draft. Um I think it's not only Udo. I think also they would have to take a long, hard look at a guy like Cole Aldridge from Kansas because they need some toughness in the paint. You know, you look at you look at uh, Troy Murphy's numbers, and they, they look need, good. They, they look solid, though. but their their toughest interior player is a guy that's really yeah. on the downside of his career in Jeff Foster. They don't oh, have Foster. another. You don't like Murphy's hard no. Huh? No, I, I like Murphy. He's mm-hmm. not an inside player. Hmm. He's more of a you know a, a three point shooting. He's and he's an advantageous rebounder, but he's on not a guy other... you can throw the ball to in the, on the block and get points okay. and guard the rim. And that's what I think they need more than anything. And Udo and and certainly Cole Aldrich, I think. I mean, feel that need. speaking of Baylor, I, I I wish I could hear uh, David Stern um, say Lace Derry is done. <laughs> I wish, I wish he, I wish he could get drafted in the first round. You know, just so I could hear, you just uh, hear him say it? the commission say Lace Darius. Lace Darius. Uh, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll roll, I'll roll with that pick. I, I think that's, I think that's a good pick, Scott. I gotta admit though, I'm not that, I'm, 
I'm not that familiar with his game. So he's he's one of the guys where I, I you know I'm not gonna I can't you know stake anything on whether or not I think he's gonna be right. you know really good or or you know maybe a bust. But I the, he I guess he fits the need. I feel it. Yeah. Well, I'm going. I got the 11th pick, and uh, and that's the Hornets, and uh, they need some of everything as they far as do, I can tell. Man, they do. Like they don't have one specific need. Where you go, well, they need this more, they need that. Yeah. The only thing we know they have is two fantastic point guards. Very true. You know, and Very and true. we know David West is a solid player, but we know that David West, his game is predicated on which one of those point guards is making sure he's involved and in the flow. And Emeka's productive. He might not yeah, be productive. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you're not you're not losing any sleep at night if you're another team worrying about what Emeka Okafor is going to do to you next. You know, but are you game. drafting a center at eleven? No, no, I'm not. Yeah, and okay. that's that's mm-hmm. exactly why. I think the most important thing to have when you get down to this this area to draft and you and you have multiple needs mm-hmm. you not only need the best player available you need the best motor available and I'm taking Patrick Patterson from Kentucky because you need a guy to me that's going to come in I like that. and play quality minutes mm-hmm. no matter where you play him mm-hmm. no matter how much you play him but you need him to be productive when you put him on the floor and to me there might not be a better player for sheer production in terms of you know you throw him out there, he's going to give you something than Patrick Patterson in Kentucky. So I'm going Patterson with the 11th pick for the Hornets. I like that. So now it's on me, and I have Memphis. Now, Memphis doesn't – Don't mess with my Grizzlies now. To get them, do it right now. You know, this is Hank Time's <laughs> Grizzlies. Do, do right by my Grizzlies. Memphis doesn't need a whole lot, I don't think. You know, I mean, it's not like they have glaring holes anywhere. Because I, I happen to like Mike Conley. I think, I think, he, I think he's growing into a, to being a solid point guard. Um, and they definitely don't need a center because they have the perennial all-star Hashim Thabit. <laughs> just waiting. <laughs> just so, waiting to bust that's out. That's so low down. Um, All of Tanzania is upset with you right now. Listen, listen. Okay, we have we have Rudy who's iffy. We don't know if he's going to stay or not. So that's that opens up a spot on the wing. I don't want to make them too small because OJ is already sort of a smallish two guard. Mm-hmm. But I'm going with my man James Anderson. Let's roll, Scott. What is, I really like his Scott, game, seriously, man. Am I, what is it about James? Why is Vince so enamored with James Anderson? Yeah, I'm kind of lost there myself. Because I don't know. I, 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 I I've heard his name, but I don't know. I didn't watch him enough. He, the dude, the, the dude knows how to score. Okay, now I've heard some people comparing him to a, a guy that went number three last year. Homeboy for um, <laughs> New Orleans. Homeboy <laughs> for um, <laughs> help, why am I miss? Oh, come on, uh, Oklahoma the H stands for homeboy. Oklahoma City. Um, James. Um, James Harden. I, I'm sorry. Wow. James Harden? Brain freeze. Yeah, James Harden. They compare him to him because he, he knows how to score the basketball. Mm-hmm. I think I think that he's actually a little more athletic than James Harden. And if 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 I can afford to have some – if I'm Memphis, I need cogs now. Right. I need people to come in and almost be specialists. Right. And I think that James Anderson can be a specialist off the bench. I'm drafting – I'm drafting James Anderson with the assumption that I'm re-signing Rudy Gay. But does he have James Harden's style? That's the question. No, he doesn't wear the thick rim glasses he, and the and the college. Can he rock the beard like that, Scott? That's <laughs> what I want to know. Can't, he can't rock the beard like that. No. I was going to ask Vince the big thing. Uh, you just answered it, but expand on that a little bit. You think that Rudy Gay is going to come back? He's going to take an awful lot of money to stay, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a team. This is a team that does is not rolling in money, right? Um, do I think that? Do I think at the end of the day, Rudy Gay will come? So much, so much, Scott, 
it's predicated on what the biggies do early on and how the, the dominoes go from there. Now, if LeBron stays put and, and D-Wade stays put and Boo stays put and Amari stays put and then there's, you know, New York and New Jersey and Chicago with all this money to fling at Rudy Gay, then obviously, no, he's gone. If they if they move along, then that's that's, you know – that's tightening up some some funds and that's taking away some some cap room f- to sign a, a guy like Rudy Gay. If I'm the Memphis GM, because there's no small forward on here that I'm enamored with, I'm going to try my hardest to keep Rudy Gay here and then I want my specialist coming off the bench and I really like James. I'm he I'm I'm saying right now I think James Anderson is going to be a little bit better than what a lot of people expect. Vince is staking his future next season. On James Anderson, let's get that down now. I didn't say. No, I'm just, I'm I, just love, saying I love. It. I love how you do that. I love. For I what? love. I love how you take what I say and then you like you go to extremes. What I do? I all. I, what you, I do? Let me <laughs> look at that smirk. Here, here's the here's the great thing, Vince. When you yeah. say I never said that, it doesn't matter. Seku has you. <laughs> but I. But hold on, Scott. I didn't but say they, that. I didn't. You, I, that, I, that's the point. You didn't say it. But now Seku will go around saying you oh, said it. Well, I'm so I'm so used to that from from, <laughs> from this clown. Yes. And if the yes. and if the Oak State guy isn't in the Hall of Fame by about February, then right. He's get he's gonna be ripping you up and down. Yeah, Scott, this dude better average twenty. It goes vice versa. But it, it goes vice versa though. It'll be rookie of the year. It goes vice versa. Yeah, I, I Scott, I, I I take it from from uh from the tone of, of your comments that you're you're not high on James Anderson you you think a mid first round is where he should be yeah mid to early 20s I think is much more okay. realistic but mm-hmm. you know he is a guy that as you mentioned early on is somebody that people had talked about in a very very positive way for a long time now so it's not like this is a complete shot out of the out of the dark he, he was the top rated two guard for for yeah. at least half of the college yeah. season but you know just out of curiosity who would you take who do I take there? Yeah. <sighs> Boy. I don't really um, like anyone that's like that. I'm glad we're not doing the whole know, draft because yeah. I don't – you know what I mean? You know what? I probably – I might do Cole Aldrich there. Man, we got so you many – never have enough got, bigs, though. We got so many bigs on you never with, have enough. with the Grizzlies. In the West especially, you never have enough. Never. I'm going to tell you who I like if, if I was drafting for the Grizzlies, and mostly because they're my Grizzlies. Um, I would love to have Xavier Henry on that young team. Is that uh, how you pronounce it? It's not Xavier? Xavier. I think it's – I think – listen, phonetically, <laughs> we know how to pronounce but I'm saying everybody has their own twist oh, on okay. these things. Xavier is what I've heard. Um, <laughs> I would love to have another young – player of his size and specs on that team. I just think that'd be good good to have. But Okay. I'm done, you know. For Z- no, listen. For Xavier. If you send James Anderson to my Grizzlies and he bombs, yeah. like if this happens Thursday Thursday night, tonight, draft night, if that happens, Vince, okay. and he bombs, yeah. you'll never hear the end of it. Where's Xavier Ever. from? Where's Xavier Ever. from? Is he is he is he foreign born? Xavier? Uh, I think no. he's from Kansas. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, all right. Xavier from Kansas. Yes. Okay. All righty. Yes. Scott Cooper, you are on the clock, and you are, you are charged with figuring out who gets to replace Chris Bosh. You hosers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Here's where I'm stuck okay. because I, I, I'm, I'm facing two dilemmas if I'm the Raptors. I might lose Chris Bosh. Oh, you're losing have, Chris Bosh. I might have to trade Hedu. He's already come out and said I don't want to be there. I, but I don't think you can. That, Who's taking that contract, Scott? Well, 
that's the problem is you don't know what you're going to get. But if the guy doesn't want to be there, uh, you, you're going to have a problem because the obvious response could be tough. But then you've got a guy coming off a bad season. If he doesn't have a good season this year, he's just going to get ripped to shreds because everybody's going to be say he's rolling over. He doesn't want to be there. This is a guy that's just trying to force a trade. If you can trade him, it's not only helpful to Hito if he doesn't want to be there. It's very helpful to you. Don't hold on to him just out of spite, just to, to prove a point. Mm-hmm. The guy wasn't worth the contract in the first place. No, that, he I was. Think is, yeah, that's what right. it, that, I think, is, is a lot of what it's going to come back to. I'm sure if the Raptors can get a trade, if they can get anything reasonable, they will do it. Now, that's obviously a big if, and you don't know what you're looking at going forward because you're right. His contract is, is not going to be easy to move, mm-hmm. but there's obviously some people out there who liked him. I don't think that, I don't think that this is a terrible contract for a terrible player. I think it's a bad contract for a pretty good player. So especially, it's not going to be. I was just going to say, Scott, especially for teams that, you know, that, that don't mind spending some money, don't mind, you know, maybe being over the luxury tax. Yeah, they, they could take that $50 million. It doesn't take a real long memory to remember when he was a pretty good player. I mean, there is a reason other teams wanted to sign him and that Portland was willing to pay a lot to sign him and why he was an important player, a starter on an Eastern Conference champion. He's got playoff experience. He can play different positions. He's pretty tough. I think he made a horrible mistake by going public and saying, I don't want to be here because all that does is bring on a lot of negative energy. Uh, that turns fans against you. That turns a lot of the league against you because this is a guy that a lot of people thought mishandled his free agency a summer before. So he's really got a lot of digging to do to get out of the hole. Which he's begs put the himself... question. So who, who'd you pick? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, well, y'all are killing Hito here. Pick somebody. Y'all are terrible. <laughs> you, you got me off on this tangent. It's the Hito oh, hater oh, hour, man. Come on. Y'all leave Hito to you. Which, which is funny because I'm actually one of Hito's biggest fans. Uh, I think he's one, one of the real good guys of the league. I started out saying you've got two dilemmas. What's going to happen with Chris Bosh? What's going to happen with Hito? And you're sort of looking at that. I'm going back to Luke Babbitt. Babbitt. I think that – I'm, I think he's a guy that is not getting a lot of attention because he's from Reno and he played at Nevada. This is a guy that's skilled. He can do a lot of things. This is a perfect place for him because you don't know what's going to happen with Hedo. You can plug him in there. The uncertainty is, do what would I rather go? You know, I, I was considering a couple big guys as a replacement for Bosch, but I obviously like Luke Babbitt. I mentioned him before. I was thinking of him a couple picks earlier. That's my pick once and for all. No, no I, I'll stop. <laughs> you, know, you know what's funny about Babbitt, guys? Babbitt, name? No, Babbitt oh, is a okay. guy who was like a McDonald's <laughs> All-American who could have gone anywhere in the country mm-hmm. and stayed home. And normally that's like, uh-oh, you know, you end up being one of these hometown heroes that never make, you know, that never really makes it as big as you could have. Yeah. But he's still going to be a lottery pick more than likely. Um, or certainly has a good chance to be a lottery I pick. I don't mind his game. No, no, I, I don't mind him I don't at mind all. I'm saying game. had he gone somewhere else, yeah. you know, had he gone to Duke or, you know, one of these other big mm-hmm. schools of recruiting, who knows what kind of profile he'd have. And he's still – a lot, you know, in the discussion is a lottery pick, yeah. so that says something. I, I think Babbitt's a good pick wherever you take him at that stage of the draft. Because, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, fellas, but when you get down to the to the teens, it's all rolling the dice, is it not? I, I mean, it's I all like these it's, these tug of wars it, on, it's on what you need and what you want. It's definitely a roll of the dice. And, and Scott, tell me, you know, with you know your years of being a, a, a NBA scribe and a, a fan, if you agree. 
I think that once you get down to the teens, you would like to have somebody in two or three years that's a starter. But if you got somebody that's a rotation player, somebody that is a part of your core, seven or eight players that, you know, plays anywhere from, you know, 18 to 25 minutes a game and you got him somewhere at the end of the lottery, I don't think that that's all that bad. I think that's what these GMs realistically expect, hoping obviously for more, but realistically expect that. You're getting right into the territory. We're not exactly at the middle of the first round, but we're we're close enough, 13. Right. Mm-hmm. It's fair to start having conversations about, you know, we obviously want the guy to be a star, but if you're getting somebody in the in the middle of the teens and you can look back in five years and he's been an important part of your rotation, whether as a starter or as a valuable contributor off the bench, mm-hmm. you certainly have to be happy with that investment, yes. Mm-hmm. No doubt. All right, well, I'm going to wrap it up here on the uh, Hang Time Podcast. Mock draft lottery only. 14th pick, Houston Rockets. Did you really think we get out of here without drafting those to tag like? <laughs> Have you seen Cole Aldridge pop that tooth out? How do you lead this man off of the list? I'm taking I'm taking Cole Aldridge. I think he's a good player. At 14, and I'm telling you, we shave his hair down a little bit more, pop the tooth out, Greg Oster tag like. Utah should have snapped. Utah should have snatched him at nine. Oh, so you want you, that's could've, that could have been the rebirth I, of Greg Ostertag. No, I don't want I don't want I don't want So now we're going to go back and redraft. <laughs> yeah, now, right. Wait a minute, you got on me for talking too much about Hedo, but now you're going back to the number 9 pick? No. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, Scott? This I mean, Scott, seriously, and you and you you know say cool well, he's he's got to be one of the biggest hypocrites I've ever met in my life. <laughs> <laughs> this is just hateful. Wow. I was going to say, this This has gotten cold right now. Scott, this, Cole, you know Cole what this it. is all rooted in? James Anderson. Keep Listen, yeah. Vince has got a tattoo on his left arm. Oh, man. J.A., I'm telling you, if I the man does not pan out, it's thigh. a wrap. I'm not looking at you. No, it's, a good thing. It, it, it's a good thing I had the first pick instead of uh, exactly. Vince because we know it would have been James Anderson. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. I'm shaking up the whole draft, Scott, with James Anderson going number one, man. You read my mind. Listen. But, you know, Micah had to ruin that and send us the email this morning talking about Scott was going to go first. <laughs> Listen, Scott Cooper, get yourself to New York, please. I'm um, to protect you, you from yourself, wait, wait, Vince. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute! Don't we still have a pick here? No, no. we're done. We we cut it off at fourteen. We don't want it. We we're through. Lottery. Yeah. We, we we got Oster Tag Light in there. We're done. Yeah, we're done. We're done. Okay. Fifteen. I didn't know that was that was your pick. Okay. We'll let we'll let the real teams have the the fifteen through uh, the rest. Uh, but listen, Scott Howard Cooper, NBA dot com's draft guru, the man of the hour. You 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 on center stage Thursday night, Scott. So we're definitely going to be watching you and uh, listening to you and reading your tweets. Um, absolutely, everybody needs to do the same because Scott's going to be in New York, I believe, alongside John Schumann of NBA.com doing all of our draft coverage, and then the rest of us will be scattered across the country, obviously, bringing you uh, everything we can. But we appreciate your time, Scott. We know it's precious. You've been on the road nonstop since the playoffs started. Still got to go to New York and do that draft. So uh, travel safe and uh, come back and join us soon on the Hang Time Podcast. It has been great fun as always. I can't wait for the next time. Thank all you, right, man. Scott. Thanks for your time. Vince. Yo. I'm, I'm going to get uh, James Anderson on the phone for you so you can let him know that you are building a shrine to him here in uh, at the headquarters. Uh, shout out to my man, James Anderson. He better be good, Micah. Hey, I'm uh, hey, that's I'm, I'm taking ownership of him right he now. He better be for real. I'm taking ownership of him right I gotta now. I got to Google this cat. I don't even know if I've ever seen this, him play. This is this is how this is what we'll, this is how we'll know whether or not I was in the ballpark <laughs> with my estimation of him. 
if he makes one of the first two all rookie teams. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll see. We'll we'll hold you to this. We're gonna have this uh forever. This'll be up <laughs> this is Yo, you better get this forever, baby. Shout out to Ed Davis on the real. <laughs> I didn't mean man, you know, I didn't I didn't mean to say I didn't I didn't like you. I just want to reiterate that man. Shout out to, to Ed Davis. I hope you have a, a, a wonderful career. And I'm the hypocrite, Clint. You like that, huh? <laughs> you find anybody else, Vince Trash, he might want to apologize before this thing even hits the airwaves. And shout out to Eric Bledsoe, who I actually, <laughs> who I actually think is one of the 14 best players wow. in, the, in the draft. You know? Okay, that's a, we heard it all, folks. Shout out to E. Bledsoe, man. The Hangtime Podcast, the special draft edition. Vince Thomas, Seku Smith from Hangtime Blog and NBA.com. Scott Howard Cooper joined us. For Clint Hawkins, our super, super master of controls. Michael Hart, our super producer, and Jordan. We are out of here, baby.